Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. Daryl, this is episode, episode 311. Remember that band, 311? I was about to say, like the band? Yeah, like the band. Like, <laughs> and, and this is a tribute to the band, 311. Daryl is going to sing their entire catalog for this podcast. Yeah, I don't know one 311 song. <laughs> Actually, this is episode 311. It's a shame about reboots. Um <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I uh, I I was not I was not into the the stoner culture of three eleven and Sublime. Uh, yeah, like now, don't get me wrong. There are songs that I know, like if you play it and say, "Oh, I know this song." Oh, that's three eleven. Oh, that's Sublime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know I, that song. I, know, I know their songs. I just didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, this week we've got the heels season one, episode eight, the finale, double turn. Um, we have thoughts, and then we're we're switching things up. So we're gonna do heels first, then we're gonna do some news bites. Um, we've got news on the comic book saga. Dean Cain's had some things that are interesting, and we want to unpack. Um, I found this really interesting article about the Dune box office projections that I just kind of want to go over and uh, discuss since. At this time next week, we'll probably be talking about Dune. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, and then we're going to talk about why there are so many reboots. And um, we read this amazing article um, from about uh, Chris Gore from what he said on uh, what's the show called? Film uh, Film Courage, uh, which is a great YouTube channel. If you guys aren't following it, definitely check out Film Courage if you're fans of movies and movie making in general. But uh, but yeah, I mean that sounds that sounds like a good episode. Yeah, yeah. And then also before we get started, just a reminder: uh, November eighth is quickly approaching. We will be at Fredboard Brewing, uh, starting at seven p.m. on Monday, November eighth, Fredboard Brewing in Blue Ash, and we are. Um, Doing a live episode again, which will be a blast. And we are, as part of this episode, doing a drive for Toys for Tots Cincinnati for people to bring toys in and give a toy. And, um, yeah, it should be fun. You know what would have been a great sound, little sound bite right there was, we'll do it live. What's that from? From Bill O'Reilly. From Bill O'Reilly when he went crazy for that. I don't remember that minute. Oh, dude, that's that hilarious. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I have a confession to make. I have never watched a minute of Bill O'Reilly on television. Oh, it's no. This is this. I mean, this was probably like, no, no. Like even like in news clips, if I see like, oh, next up, Bill O'Reilly, I change the channel. I have zero interest in that dude. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why. You're I just one. never did. Yeah, you're missing one of the one of the, it's it was like when Chris Berman went crazy. It's been on Ooh, it's when hilarious. Chris Berman went crazy. That was me. I tell you what I have been obsessed with is like the first 15 minutes of every episode of Gutfeld. I don't care about the rest of it. I just like the first 15 minutes with the jokes. Um especially, uh, I've, never, I've never I haven't watched this yet. Especially cuz uh he's got Tyrus who is the former Brodus Clay, the uh the Funkasaurus from WWE. Uh Tyrus yeah. Tyrus is the the NWA uh, world television champion right now. And dude is smart. Not only is he as big as a truck and as sm- strong as an ox, he is smart. Like, if if uh, they remade Shazam to be, like, a, a, a tattooed, light-skinned black dude, like, 
he's it. <laughs> that wisdom is of, such a weird wisdom of Solomon, speed of uh, uh, whoever, strength of Zeus. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> so I'm just trying to connect a comic book thing to him. Oh my but, gosh! Yeah, well, he could be blackout. Uh, he couldn't be any worse than the Rock. <laughs> oh, oh God! I was listening to um. I'm going to ramble for a second. I was listening to what culture talking about uh, wrestling this morning. Um, and, and somebody sent in a question about the rock running for president. And they're like, that'd be great. I'm like, no, it wouldn't. You guys are British. Shut up. Why? Yeah. No, that would be awful. The worst possible thing that could happen for the world is for the rock to run for president in America. Actually, I'd say the worst possible thing has happened already. So, well, the second worst possible thing that could happen. <laughs> well, I think it would be the worst if we were following up on um, on what old Brandon has been up to. Anyway, <laughs> uh, by the way, you should check out our um, our Threadless shop. There's been some updated merchandise there. Or merch, as the kids say. Merch. Check out the merch. Um, you can also check out Flying Pork Apparel for, for more like graphic stuff. But if you're looking for just like cool logo stuff. Um, Threadless is the way to go, uh, but yeah, all those links are on the website. Anyway, so I've um I've meandered enough. Let's let's get to heels. Um, this was the finale. It was double turn, directed by Peter Siegel, written by Eric Martin. Eric Martin hasn't written any episodes this season. Um. And do you know? Do you know Eric Martin? I, I, like any? Well, I mean, it's a it's a pretty common name. He didn't have he didn't even have a link on like Wikipedia to anything. Um, oh, let me check real quick. Um, but there was there was oh he was a writer on Loki. Really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, okay. So he's a staff writer for Heels. He was a staff writer for Loki. Uh, he wrote two episodes, and so Four Time Always was written by him, and The Nexus Event was written by him. Um, he was a producer on Loki. He was additional crew on Ties That Bind. I don't remember that show. And Rick and Morty and Community. Um, but yeah. So I, I'm going to say, like, this felt like a different episode from the rest of the uh, the series. And to be honest, I would not be surprised if we would track down Eric Martin's, like, blog and find out he writes Friday Night, like, Friday Night Lights fic, fanfic. <laughs> uh, I... This show, is, you know, as when we talked last week, we talked about what if, and you know, while I enjoyed it, my biggest complaint is it was inconsistent. Yeah, it was up and down, and I I find that this is heels has been very similar in that regard. Now heels had a very strong few weeks, you know, after the first couple episodes. I mean, it had a really, and it seemed like it was going. You know, it was going in the right direction. Not seem like it actually was going in the right direction from a, a story arc, story care, narration standpoint, and just the quality of the episodes, quality of the writing. Mm -hmm. And then we hit uh, was a few weeks ago. Was it the break where we and it we had that filler episode that 
with a nine episode season, eight episode season or eight episode season. Well, even a 10 episode season, you should not have filler episodes. Right. And it was just like when you talk about meander, like that was where the plot and everything just meandered about. And there was nothing. And I don't think it ever, it, well, to me, it never gained, regained its momentum. Yes, it got a little better from there, I think. And I think this one was, this was a decent affair. I, the funny thing is we were talking last week when we knew this was the finale yeah. where you mentioned when, and we both agreed that they need to have the episode where they have the fair, they have the results of the three man tag. And then you have an episode looking at the aftermath of what everything that happened. This would have been an amazing penultimate episode. There's that word again. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, this this would have been a perfect uh, penultimate episode. Mm -hmm. And again, I I don't, don't, I'm not saying this is a bad episode or that I did not like the series or the season as a whole. It's just this episode and how we got here. It's just kind of a, microcosm of the issues that the season had right yes um i think well i think one so the in this episode we got a we got a lot of like just things tied up right um but this was the first episode where we actually got to see them like um blocking a match when they were when they were blocking the ladder match out, which was really cool to mm-hmm. see, um, but like the drama between Jack and Stacy was really good in this episode because she moved out um, because of what she found out last week with her finding out that Jack had bought all the tissues, um, and you know the the whole the way they kind of intertwined the national anthem and the rodeo with the wrestling, I found to be actually more compelling than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it helped build drama for both things because, uh, you know, gully at the end of last week's episode was going to do something. And it's like, well, maybe he's going to do something to Stacy. And that's actually, that's funny. You said that I was wondering if that was going to happen as well. And so I thought the way that they shot it was a very sophisticated way to build that tension that I did not expect from this show. Yeah. I really liked the editing and how they, yeah, how they Um, pieced everything together there. Yeah. And, and Alison Luff has amazing voice. Uh, I I think we just need to just like some pipes on her. That was, that was really cool. Uh, it was very exciting to see, like several pro America statements in this show, in this particular episode, um, you know, like wild bill when he did his opening promo and everything, uh, that was, that was really cool. I, I, I gotta say, like, I liked I, I liked, I liked a lot about this episode. Uh, I'll just mm-hmm. be really just blunt and clear. What I didn't like about this episode was that we may not get a second season. Yes. So we don't know and... what is going to happen. So I, I am, uh, you know, we we were talking about this, and I was I was joking about this with another friend, um, that I wanted two more episodes, and you know, he was like, "You're the guy who's always asking for less episodes in a show," and it's like, <laughs> well, because they didn't tell enough story. Yes. So, um, but I, I think 
at the end of the day, um, if this does come back for a second season, I think they really need to like think long and hard about what is a good guy and what is a bad guy. Um, because everybody can't be an anti-hero or yeah. downright villain. The, the the fact that there were no almost no heroes um w- was bad. I I really I really liked Wild Bill in this episode. Uh except for the squishy noise. Um that was gross. Yeah, that was just oh. <laughs> It makes ASMR gag, baby. Right. <laughs> um, I loved Crystal's arc in this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, her arc in general in, in this season, and, and we, we talked about this off air a couple days ago where she had the most fleshed out compelling arc of any of the characters. I, yeah. I thought Stacy had a very good arc as well. Um, Obviously, what were you going to say? I was just going to, to, to before you get into Stacey, I was just going to say, um, Crystal's the only three-dimensional character on the show. The only one. Yeah. I mean, you like everybody else has snippets here and there. Yeah. But, and again, this goes back to your point of not telling enough story. Yeah. Well, you, you know, I think they wasted they wasted a lot of time, and I understand why they wasted a lot of time on Ace, um, for Ace not to be not to have some sort of redemption in the first season, and and then instead, like at the beginning of this episode, he's taking a couple steps forward, um, like when he's talking to Big Jim and everything, and he's excited to then take thirty seven thousand steps backwards at the end of the episode. Yeah, I did like his him approaching the you know the cashier that mm-hmm. you know, in episode one yeah. that he and he, that he insulted at first. You know, you thought it was one of those things like I got a new lease on life and all this, but I I, I like the second moment where he went in and he gave her the tickets. Yeah, and he he did and, that and was, like without like expecting like a hug or anything. He just gave them to him and left. Yeah. And, his, and, and he told and the way he said he was sorry there versus the first time yeah. he's, he's just like i'm really sorry so and you could see it but that that would that hit harder than his first you know excited exuberance right and as far as where well, he, he was goes, the first time yes yes it was like he was on he, he was he, had, he was on a high and <laughs> he was hopped up on goofballs <laughs> yeah <laughs> well he did actually yeah. Well, the night before, yeah. The night before, yeah. I just thought about that. But, I mean, there were some things I really liked about what he did this episode. But I I didn't like, again, going back to him being a man baby and finding out what Jack did, which, yes, Jack did it dirty. Finding out what he did in the middle of that match and not being – not getting to the point where he can say, okay, we'll handle this afterwards. I'm going to try to be a professional here. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this is where this delved into that Friday night lights territory where it's like, I slept with your girl like halfway through the game. And it's like, all of a sudden you can take cripples girl, but you can't find him. You're coward Riggins. That's my favorite. (laughs) That's my favorite line in the whole show. You steal cripples girl, but you won't fight a cripple. (laughs) Texas forever. Anyway, (laughs) 
Uh, I expect I literally I have expected someone to say Georgia forever at some point in this show, this episode. Um, I mean, even the music and the caravan and just like it was so. Yeah, it, it really it did. Yeah, so it absolutely was. Um, but yeah, it was like, you know, and you know what else we missed is there was no the dad. We didn't get to see the dad wrestle. And that made me sad. I know he was he was even in, in the locker room yeah. and everything. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, here's the thing. This is, it's not, it, what, it's not a bad show. It's just not a great show. And, yeah. you know, to and, be honest, like if they gave this show like a three season commitment, like total, like, I think they could tell a whole story. Um, yeah. but I think they need to know, yes, you have three seasons. You have 24 episodes to tell a story. I think, I think they could, I think not knowing they meandered a little bit. And the mm-hmm. Big Bad Fish Man was, uh, oh, I'm sorry, House Show was an episode that probably could have been folded into something else. Um, and, you know, I think taking that week break, they could have done an episode that week uh, mm-hmm. was weird. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I, I don't know. I, I think the, uh, the writing teams of or the writing directing team of, of Jessica Lowry with Paul uh, with Bradley Paul and Jessica Rowley, uh, Lowry with uh, Daria Poulton uh, were were both the that's episodes three and four were the mm-hmm. were the best teams and I thought this one was good with Peter Siegel and Eric Martin because I tell you what Eric Martin wrote some great dialogue for the first time like Jack's speech was. Like yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, look, look, where's my like? Yeah, that give was, me some boots yeah. and, and and some pads and some some tights. I don't I don't wear the shorts. I I'll wear the the full leg tights. Um, but like, let's do this. Let's run some ropes. Um, I thought that was good. I and I really liked the way the ladder match went. Uh, up until the point that they started cheering for Jack, and yeah, and and and. Ace just, you know, I, there was a way for them to, what what needed to happen is Jack should have said, hold on, we're going to pull an audible and hit Ace with a low blow to turn the, to turn the crowd right back to Ace. Yeah. And, and there I was think too that would have been better writing. Yes. I was about to say, there was too much of that drama of something happens and everybody stand and mm-hmm. the main characters stand around looking at each other like, what do we do? Yeah, like when they're up on top of the ladder and like, are they gonna kiss? <laughs> I didn't realize it was that kind of show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I'm glad Rooster wasn't in this episode. Uh, I I liked uh, I liked Rooster at the beginning. Um, you know, I I, I like Alden uh, Alan Maldonado. Um, or yeah, no, not. Malda, whatever. Uh, I like the actor that plays Rooster, Alan Mal. Yeah, Maldonado. Sorry, uh, dyslexic moment there. Uh, but I, like, I did not like Rooster by the end of the season. Like, and not no. like, and like, I'm not supposed to like him. As in a, this is a very, very poorly conceived character, and it's a shame that you did this to someone who actually had a ton of charisma. Yeah, and again, that I, I was when writing my notes. One of the things I wrote was 
and, and it was kind of encompassing, encompassing this season as well as this episode. It was the fact that I wanted less rooster as time went on. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see more about Apocalypse, to be honest, because there was more, even yeah. though he wasn't, he was had snippets. He had a couple of moments that made me want to know more about this character. Sure. Rooster never did. And yeah. that's, shouldn't be the case especially when like you said maldonado had that i mean just that just the vibrancy of of showman and they could have done so much with that even though he wasn't necessarily the main character they still could have made a compelling arc right. for him as a supporting character and they just they just they, they flopped on that one i think when wild bill came into the picture full-time it really hurt the other dlw guys character development because, uh, I mean, Chris Bauer is the best actor on the show, and so rightfully, yes. so he he ate up screen like he deserves to. Uh, but yeah, I, like honestly, like Willie was super one dimensional. Um, I, I think Mary McCormick did a fine job, you know, with her, but I think there was so much of Willie that we didn't need to see. Um, that again took away from other characters, or if they showed us those other sides of Willie, the you know with her family is maybe not have her be an asshole like she was at the yeah. DWL. Like again, like you just couldn't root for her because she was an asshole everywhere she went, uh, and they, they went out of their way to give her a caring husband and daughter. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, it, and it we got just, yeah, and again, this goes to the fact that there was no real payoff. For what we got with her, right? And that's just again, it's just one of those missed moments where you could have, you could have nixed out, you know, several of those scenes. Again, there, there were a couple of scenes where I, I really liked her, yeah. but as far as with the family, it was, I know what they were trying to do as far as grounding her, and but again, going back to what you just said, she was an ass. Uh, she was unlikable. Like watching, and she again, that personality was fine within the locker rooms mm-hmm. and with whatever thing, everything she was doing. And, and I think they were trying to say how, you know, sometimes people can't turn it off. And that was one of the, the lessons that right. over the last few episodes, Jack was mentioning uh, as far as, yeah. Yeah. Even, or even later on telling Ace, look, you have to turn this off when you come home. Well, I mean, he and, talked to Stacy about that too, where he's like, yeah. you, you keep me grounded. Like, like Tom never was. Yeah. Um, you know, the opening scene with him and Tom, you know, Man. like, yeah, like, it's like, okay, I get it, but like, be better. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, we all have shitty dads. Uh, well, I guess we don't all. I mean, I can, I can empathize with the shitty dad. Uh, but yeah, just Jack needed to be better. And, and uh, he relishes in being a heel. Mm-hmm. Because then he doesn't have to be nice and approachable in real life. Yeah. It's his wall, you know. Um, but uh, so anyway, this ended exactly. I called the end last week when I said Crystal was going to mm-hmm. win the championship. Yeah. So uh, I saw that one coming a mile away. And it does not take away from my enjoyment of her pulling down the belt either. That uh, that suplex, I do not know if that was uh, Kelly Berglund or her stunt double, but that was a thing of beauty. And uh, 
the Hurricane Rana is yes. just it like I know it's all scripted and, and it's a show, so they probably did thirty takes, but is also a thing of beauty. Yeah. All right. Um and, oh sorry. Yeah. No, no I was ahead. just gonna say I I did like how Ace actually worked with her there. I for a split second I didn't think, you know, in the moat in the frame of mind he was with Jack. I didn't know what he was going to do or say. Yeah. And then he says just like the parking lot or something along those yeah. lines and I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, well no, uh yeah, he said, did he say that or did she? No, I, I No, oh, you're right, he did. He I was like just just like yeah. the parking lot. And uh and yeah. And you know, like it was great how they were calling it on the fly like like that that's how they they would do it. So and how, yeah, and how she was like, I can suplex you. Right. So. All right. All right. So uh, I'm going to ask for your rating for this episode out of five poo stains on the mat. What do you give this one? <laughs> I give it a three and a half. I thought, you know, there were some very good moments, strong moments from, you know, I, I, I love the, the, you know, that conversation between Jack and Stacy. Yeah. I like I, I liked that what you were talking about Jack in the back you know you know cheering or not cheering everybody up but yeah. you know talking to everybody giving them that you know that approval speech of hey we made it here you know let let's get get out here the, wasn't a fan yeah. of again oh. of what they did with Ace yeah uh, I really wasn't a fan of how the whole gully thing either yeah I, I thought that was it just, was shoehorned in yeah it, it was just lacking so but entertaining it was solid uh just uh, just like this season solid in the sense of there were some really excellent moments there were some a few moments that were pretty bad mm -hmm. and then there was a lot of middling stuff and that's why you know three and a half sure out of five all right i go four out of five uh and i bump it up specifically for the dialogue in this episode because i think all of it was really well written and specifically mm -hmm. the line we're all family some of us blood the rest of us sweat that was awesome. Yes. That was that 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 alone pumps it up a half a point. All right. <laughs> so season one out of ten Friday night light knockoffs. What do you give it? Six and a half. Again, kind of I, I could say exactly what I just said about this episode because there were some very hot there were some big highs. The lows were not like underground low. But they were pretty low. But then also there was just all too much wasted time, I will say. And not enough focus on rounding out and or fleshing out some of these characters. Sure. Sure. Uh, I got seven and a half out of ten. Uh, I like the character development. I liked the way they handled the wrestling. I like not just in the ring, but like the promotion of and, and like just everything that had to do with the actual wrestling. Um I can't go any higher than that because I don't think they plotted the season out very well. And if you're mm -hmm. just focused on character development, you as a writing room are missing the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I actually really enjoyed the wrestling stuff. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. I'm, I'm all in for a season two. Yes. So. Oh, absolutely. Because again, we talk about how seasons episode or, or series, you know, the first season is always going to be art generally speaking is rough mm -hmm. and whether it's the first few episodes or a whole season 
or in the case of say something like Buffy, where the whole yeah. season one was god awful. I mean, the first season or of Office have... was awful. The first season of Parks and Rec was awful. Um, you look at well, like... no, it, I, well, I, I won't, I won't even compare those because yeah. those are half hour shows sure. and they're comedies. I, I, I then like a Supernatural season one was excellent. Well, then you have something like hold, Spartacus, because where... I was going to say season one of Supernatural has what I consider the barometer for pilots, but it definitely fell on its face a couple times in that first season, but it picked itself back up, but it also had 22 episodes to do it. Yeah. And which is, again, they had, they definitely had fillers. I was going to say Spartacus where season one, I can't remember. Is it 10 or 13 episodes? It's 13 and it got off to a rocky start and it didn't actually get good until like episode five. Um, Right. And, and that was really when Varro got killed that it like turned into something really interesting. So uh, but Stephen S. Tonight even has come out and said, yeah, I, I, I don't know what I was doing in those first three episodes. Um, <laughs> like, not he didn't know what he was doing as far as, like, making – he just didn't know. Like, he looks back and he's like, I, I'm not I, – I don't know what that I'm was. I'm not sure where my head was there. I don't, I yeah. don't know what that was. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move yeah. on so, to – again, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish no, up. I was just going to say, yeah, definitely. Too. I would look for looking for a look. I hope they get a season two because I like the potential of this show. Awesome. Let's move on to Saga. Saga's coming back, D. What's that? I don't know. What What is that? You don't know what Saga is? It's been, it's been what? It's been a long huh? time. I don't know. It, it's kind of foggy in my mind. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples Saga, not not a saga, the comic book Saga in case you forgot not the video game saga frontier returns saga. in january 2022 so what was supposed to be like i want to say like a six month break uh turned into a three-year hiatus i mean that doesn't sound like anything we're dealing with in real life right now um <laughs> anyway but the long anticipated issue number 55 will will come out on january 22nd 2022 um I have mixed feelings about this coming back because they killed my favorite character off at the end of 54. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping it's a like based on the cover, it looks like a big fat time jump happened. Um, so hopefully we're going to get a big fat time jump and then we'll get to like go back and kind of fill in the gaps of, of the years after my favorite character's death. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it. Um, I know we've talked about Saga on this show before, but I've never actually said who my favorite character was. Anywho, um, I'm super excited about this. This is one of the most creative, well-written, beautifully illustrated comics of the last 25 years. And Brian K. Vaughn is a master storyteller. Um, I When I saw this news, I was like, oh, he's trying to distance himself from the stink of... Uh, XX the last uh man compendium. Oh. oh man. I I mean I'm assuming some of the delay or I don't know some of it most of it whatever was in part because he was working as a producer on now, that show. I, so they would take like so in 5 what six years they had 54 issues so they were taking like three and four month breaks every year um to just kind of regroup write the next like write out the next like arc of books 
do them, take a break, write out the next arc of books, illustrate them. You know, it, it was kind of the cadence that they had, and it really worked, um, especially for Image. Um, but I, I, I think what happened is they've envisioned this to be a uh, 112 issue run. Um, so two 54 issue arcs. And, you know, I, I think they, they got caught up doing some other things, like you said. But I also think they they legitimately needed a break that they could give us the best story possible. Because Vaughn is not one to put out crap. Uh, Why the Last Man, we've already talked about ad nauseum. As far as a comic book goes, it's well worth reading. The other one is Ex Machina. It's a story about the machine. Um, you know, Ex Machina or the Great Machine. Uh, not Brett. Burt Kircher, the machine. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about there, right? Is that what the movie is based on? Or no, is that something else? No, no, it's something else. Um okay. it's so it's a guy who gets infected by this alien stuff. He gets the ability to like talk to and control machines, um, makes his own flying suit, becomes a superhero, becomes the mayor of New York City. Uh it's really, really good. It's really good. Um if you just go to the website and sign up for Comicsology Unlimited and the, for the thirty day free trial and thirty day free trial and read it like it's so good. Actually, you can do that and you can catch up fifty four issues. You can catch up with Saga in a week. Yeah, actually, you could so catch up with Saga in a week. Wait a week, read it all again to like really let it sink in, and then be ready for January twenty second with no issue. Yeah, I, I mean, to your point where you're saying, I mean, I love the 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 artwork in this in this uh series uh i mean the creativity uh there is so much stuff that's just off the wall type you know some of the characters and it works it 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 never seemed to me and again i need to it's it's been what three years whatever i i really need to go back and read actually i'm i might have to get a uh one of the compendiums or something because i do there's something to be said for having the physical copy of a of, of a series like this, just kind of like like with Invincible, yeah. Like so going back and rereading I have, it. I have all the floppies, like all the individual issues, right? Um, and then I have all of the trades, all the collections on Comicsology, because um, I have a sickness. Anyway, yeah, it, it's just it's really good. Um, check your local comic book store. If you don't know your local comic book store, um, just check out the comic book store locator. Um, you can find that. I think it's comicstorelocator.com. Just Google it. You'll you'll find it. It's it's super simple, barely an inconvenience, as the man says. Um, but yeah, this is really, really exciting, and we will obviously have more when we get to that. More to come. All right. Uh moving on to our next topic. Uh Dean Kane was in the news. Uh for the just had some comments about the uh tom taylor's changes to john kent um and and you know i i feel like some of these headlines even from the people who are supporting dean kane are pretty infantile you know like dean kane blast dc comics making superman attracted to dudes um now <laughs> dean calls it bandwagoning which is really interesting. Yeah. Like, like everyone's like stunning and brave, stunning and brave, and and he makes a really great point. Um, 
is that if you really wanted to be stunning and brave and you really wanted to help like you know the the LGBT community how about he fights you know to protect gay people in Iran from getting thrown off of buildings and killed you know uh the the whole you know he he oh here's the quote uh the new captain america is gay and again not the captain america a new captain america that's happening in the united states of captain america right now i think a couple of them are gay actually uh the new captain america is gay my daughter in supergirl where i played her father was gay i don't think it's a bold or brave or some crazy new direction if they had done this 20 years ago perhaps that would have been bold and brave <clears throat> Roseanne. Um, but Brave would have been fighting for the rights of gay people in Iran, where they're thrown off a building for the offense of being gay. Um, you know, he says it's bandwagoning of Robin, of Batman and Robin, as you mentioned, to come out as bi or gay recently. Honestly, who was really shocked by that one? I had some thoughts on that a long time ago, he asserted. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. My biggest issue with what is happening with John Kent has zero to do with him being bisexual. It's the fact that they aged him up and they took the super sons away from us. That is 1000% my issue. That is the, with that creative choice, I think is, was a terrible choice. I mean, terrible choice. I, I think, you know, we, we've said a lot of nice things about Tom Taylor over the last couple months because of what he's been doing mm-hmm. with Nightwing. Uh, and even with that, he's starting to uh, show his, show his hand <laughs> a little, a little mm-hmm. bit. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I think this is, this is something that's out of left field. It's, it's not at all like what, what we, what we, you know, when, when when Peter J. Tomasi came up with the idea of Super Sons, and he did not create either of these characters, Damian Wayne nor John Kent, but we got this amazing odd couple duo of where a Batman progeny and a Superman progeny were reluctant friends. And now yeah. they have John Kent is a tyrant at this point. He's going to come out as as by an issue seven. And then all of a sudden he's going to start protesting for things instead of going in and like actually showing people the way and how to fix things. He's going to be protesting. Um, and, you know, uh, there there's a cover with uh, Aqualad, uh, Jackson Hyde on on there. And a lot of people are really upset because he's drawn like really light skinned and he's not drawn with like traditional like black features on his face and it's like you guys aren't going to win at any of this if this is how you act but i do have a comment for all the people in twitter who are commenting about this jackson hyde and calderon are two totally different characters so when you start tweeting out calder calderon this is great you're talking about the wrong thing you normie douche and this is the thing uh, speechless that, no, Sorry. so I'm looking at this article and again 
the reason they do this is for being being able to be on something like MSNBC or CNN because yeah Tom Taylor this is a that Tom was on Taylor CNN. yeah this is a Tom Taylor virtue signal um, yeah that's all it is and and there's another quote in here where you know Kane talks about the stories like you know they're talking about him fighting real world problems like climate change the deportation of refugees and all this stuff is like why don't they have him fight the injustices that created the refugees mm-hmm. whose deportation that he is protesting that would be brave i'd yep. read that yep uh and you know talk fighting for the rights of women and you know some of the things that happened to boys and you know some of these countries with the you know taliban that would be brave mm-hmm. but no this is not brave this is not stunning this is not taking a stand all this is is you know riding the wave because you know you'll get some virtue signaling points and it, it just shows it honestly it shows a lack of fortitude in, with a lot of these people because uh, don't get me wrong i think some of these people a lot of these people think this way but there are other ones who want to tell a story and then and have like tom taylor he just told for the most for a lot of the stuff he's done some great stories but then he gets caught up in this wave mm-hmm. and he lets himself get caught up and instead of saying you know what let me be true to this story that I want to tell. No, he, along with these other people, want to ra- rather appease, you know, the virtue signaling gods instead of saying, let's t- tell a good story, you know, that the fans will enjoy it and that the people want. Well, and, and here's the thing is there are uh, Apollo and, and Midnighter are um, gay characters. They've been gay for a long time in comics. They're really, really cool. Um, back when, when, Dick was at Nightwing for a little bit, and he was just Dick Grayson, Super Spy. Uh, he he had a whole thing with Midnighter, and Midnighter kept hitting on him, and it was hilarious. And then Apollo showed up, and Midnighter <laughs> is hitting on Dick in front of Apollo, who they're a couple. And uh, Apollo's like, I can't even be mad. Um, so <laughs> that's but, funny. But like you know, there's a character in in the in the Bat family named Harper Rowe. And I know we're, this was about Dean Cain's comments on um, John Kent. And I feel like we said our, our, our piece here. But Harper Rowe is an LGBT character. And she plays Bluebird. She is relatively new, 2011, 2012, something like that. Um, but she's a really cool and interesting character who has like teamed up with, with uh, Tim Drake. She's teamed up with Spoiler a lot. She's teamed up with Red Hood a little bit lately. Um and and she's like a sidekick's sidekick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's yeah. a really, really cool character. Unfortunately, she's stuck with the stigma of the New 52 because that's when she was brought in. Um, oh. But she could be such an amazing character in the right hands. Um, like, I don't know. There there was like when, when, when Damien died in um, Batman Incorporated by the heretic, when the heretic ran him through, uh, like, the, the pain that she went through was really, really interesting because, like, her and Damien had a very contentious relationship. Um, you know, like, Damien and Steph, uh, spoiler, when when she was Batgirl, had a had a really interesting, like, relationship. Like, there was a point where Steph was like, will you quit looking at my boobs? Um, <laughs> you know? And it was funny. That was with uh, Brian Q. Miller, who, uh, to this day, I don't understand why he's not writing um, spoiler comics for DC because he got Steph Brown better than anybody. But, I mean, there are these characters. I mean, there's a whole list of them. Now, some of these are are, are 
like you know real some of these are you know like oh well all of a sudden this character is you know uh lgbt but when you look at like oh like renee montoya that's another one sorry i totally forgot her she's always been you know um you know gay and she's an an amazing character she actually was questioned for a little while or the question for a little while and you know it was really good i mean it wasn't as good as vic sage but like vic sage is like one of my favorite you know z-list characters so i'm I'm always going to be a little like that's my guy you're in a suit beat it um <laughs> but yeah i mean there's just so much there's so much they can do with their existing characters now i, I will say like dc has always fallen behind marvel with this stuff marvel has actually for years had you know because of the x-men um but yeah it's just i don't know i it's it's just to circle back to john kent him being bi is not the most egregious thing about him being bi or about the changes to the character the most egregious thing is they aged him up and they took years and years and years of Super Sun storytelling away from us to watch him and Damien grow up together. And if he wants to be bi, coming out to Damien Wayne as being gay or bi or whatever would have been an amazing issue of comics because Damien would not have given a fuck. He'd have been like, okay, so? And that's, you know, he would have supported him, but it, would, it wouldn't have been a big deal. And... I mean, that's how we need to look at this. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you 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 took away years of storytelling for a virtue signal. Yeah, and and again, it the it, the big deal is that if if these were new characters, if they were their own, and yeah, people John, can argue. John is a new character. Jonathan, I, I'm I like again, I, he's fair game to oh, do this too. This is the thing, though that that it's always the intention behind it that I look at. It's not that, you know, Hey, this John Kent is an original character. We can do that. That's not, that's the problem. It's not, that's not their intention. If that was, I would be fine with it. And again, this is like a tertiary issue with me. The far biggest issue again is the storytelling that we had with the super sons and them taking that away. That is far and away my biggest issue with, the creative decisions that they've done with Jonathan Kent. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the whole stop. intention, like you said, was to turn the man of steel into the boy of soy. Yeah. So, and again, again, if you focus on strong stories, strong characters, everything else will play out. Yep. And again, that's, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit when we, you know, talk about some of the stuff Chris Gore said. Yeah, because that um, kind of that's a yeah, very good you know kind of could parallel to what he's he was talking about. One hundred, as the kids say. Yeah, no, just my my last bit is, um, if you're gonna do it, do it for the right reasons. Don't just do it to do it. Um, because yeah. Brian Michael Bendis made Iceman gay, and Iceman is an irrelevant character now in the X Men, which is ridiculous because he's one of the most powerful and one interesting the ori- mutants. Yeah. He's one of the original five, and yeah, not making him gay is making him gay is not what ruined the character. Changing fifty years of history in the stroke of a pen for no other reason 
then you're a hack writer now, Bendis. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> is uh, is what's so egregious about that. Right, yeah, let's talk quick, about, like uh, to finish this yeah, off. Sorry. There, there's a saying that it's it sounds cheesy, but a truth, uh, a truth that's told with ba- with bad intent beats all the lies you can invent. And again, it goes to what is your goal and what is your aim? Mm-hmm. If you tell somebody the truth just because you want to hurt them versus wanting to tell them the truth, that's a bad thing. Instead, now if you you say, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth, even though I know this will hurt you, but your intent is to be honest with them. That's totally different. And that's that's where I look at when I say intent. You know, a lot of these writers, they have bad, or I won't say bad intentions, but they're, they're virtuous intentions to basically get likes and be talked about in the news. And I don't want those type of people as writers because they, they, they're, they're losing the number one thing about writing, and that's telling a compelling story. All right, let's talk about the Dune box office because I can't top that. Um, that's perfect. That's a great way to say it. All right, so I found this website. It's called Box Office Pro. Have you ever heard of it? No, I've never heard of it. Okay, I was just curious about the Dune, how it was tracking, right? Because I'm really interested, and I really want this movie to succeed, even though I think there's a lot of people like, ooh, Dune, I really want to see it, and it's like you're not going to go watch Dune. And if you do, you're going to walk out of that and be like, Argh. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, and I, I, I firmly stand by my statement. Danny Villeneuve, who makes really beautiful, really long, boring movies. Um, <laughs> anyway, so no, I found this site and this was really great because it was talking about like how October is packed with, with movies, like as far as like what we, we were seeing in, in the current reality on the planet Earth. Um, but they're talking about Dune and they go through like a whole list of pros and cons. Like one of the pros, original science fiction novel from 1966 has a long pocket popular staple. A lo- it has been a long popular staple along among genre fans. Uh, the story's world building and depth are often said to be inspired by the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, which is true. Um, while playing an in, it says while playing an influential role in George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series, which is also true. Also, it had a lot to do with Star Wars. Um, it says here the reimagining of the franchise franchise has long been demanded by diehard fans. That's false. Not a reimagining, a faithful adaptation. Because 1984's David Lynch's Dune is garbage. Uh, you don't know my favorite your favorite line from that movie? Um, no. Tell me. I will kill him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, such a bad movie. <laughs> anyway, it, 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 it's, it's god awful. Anyway, so uh, it says early tracking markers are comparable to those of Godzilla versus Kong, War for the Planet of the Apes, and Blade Runner 2049. If we remember, Blade Runner 2049 was a huge bomb. Uh, anyway, so it's got a great cast. Timothy Chalamet, I think, is probably like going to end up being like the best actor of his generation. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, I love. Josh Brolin, I love. Jason Momoa, I can take or leave, but he's grossly miscast as Duncan Idaho. Um, so we'll see what happens there. It says here, like, p- these are all pros. Like, Denny Villanueva's creative involvement in this iteration has generated strong interest thanks to widely acclaimed works. And he does. He has wide acclaim from Blade Runner 2049. Critics loved it. Arrival, I think people really liked it. Prisoners was really, really good. Sicario was really good. 
Um, so far with 74, well, as of the writing of this, on, as of September 30th, there were 74 reactions with positive uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, which that's an aggregate, so uh, who cares? All right, so the cons, it's just another example of a hybrid release for Warner Brothers, uh, making it available on HBO Max at the same time. So they're thinking this is going to hurt the the box office, uh, but it says additional tracking comparisons mentioned, uh, sorry, Dune is trending slightly above the Suicide Squad at this time. Suicide Squad made, what, $33 million its opening weekend? If I remember correctly. I don't recall. Yeah. Um, this is this is my favorite. Uh, Lynch's 1984 film is something of a cult classic, but also is renowned for its box office misfire, costing a reported $40 million to produce at the time. It earned just $31 million at the domestic box office and proved far more niche than hoped. Uh, of note, the original Blade Runner earned $27.6 million two years earlier. Again, not a good movie. Um, like they're, they're, they're just trying to make all of these, uh, these comparisons to it anyway. So when it comes to tracking, um, the original range for no time to die, it was tracking from 70 to 95, um, Halloween Kills was tracking from 40 to 45. The last duel was tracking from 5 million to 12 million. Um, Dune, it says here, uh, it's tracking from 35 to 45 million, which this was adjusted because they had this higher. Um, but they're saying their domestic total is going to be 85 million to 130 million. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I do not know how much Dune costs to make. I can find that out really quick. Um, but uh, let's see. Dune cost. Uh, oh, wait. No, that's box office. Oh, well, Dune's opened around the world already. I mean, it's already made $121 million. Or, I'm sorry, $117 million. Um, it has a budget of $165 million, right? This movie got pushed back twice. Yeah. Uh, or actually, this movie got pushed back four times. but And then it got brought forward uh, from November to October of this year. But this movie is another one of those ones that was supposed to come out two years ago. So yeah, and I don't know how much it needs to make to break even. Sorry, go ahead. I've been talking yeah. too much. And yeah, when you say that, like this movie was supposed to come out two years ago. I don't care how much there, there's something psychological, I think with people and myself included where you get it, you get this anticipation for a movie or something and then it gets pushed back a ridiculous amount of time. Even when you get reminded of it, there's, there's something like with I, I the, the example I gave, you know, black widow, after all the times getting pushed back, yes, I went. I did go see Black Widow, so so that there there is that. I will go see Dune. But as far as anticipation goes, when you get pushed back a year or two years, that that's going to affect it. Um, then you add to the fact that it is going to be a dual release. Mm -hmm. That's going to affect it. But what I think is going to affect it even more is that this is not one of those movies that general audiences. Are going to fall in love with 
Correct. As much as I, you know, as much as I like the movie, uh, or like the movie, as much as I like the idea of Dune, as much as I'm liking the book, which probably about 80 pages, I think I need to finish. Okay. Uh, before I finish it. Um, it, this, and I, I really, I am really engrossed. Yeah. I really like this story and the ideas behind it. I really like what I've seen from this movie. But again, the average moviegoer is going to look at it and say, eh, pass. And, this and, is, and that's this is just part the reality. One. This is part one of the movie, yes. uh, of, of right. the story. This is not a fully fully fleshed out film. This is part one. It's probably going to end right around the time uh, the House of Trades falls. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul and, and Jessica, you know, have to fuck off into the desert. Um. And so, you know, that's one thing. I mean, I think we're going to get very little Zendaya in this movie, which is why I didn't mention her in the cast. I, I think she'll be in Paul's mm-hmm. dream like she's supposed to be. Um, although I think they're they're making her a little more of a revolutionary than than what Cheney is. Cheney is, Cheney is eternal, like, optimism for the Fremen, if the Fremen can have optimism. And, and Cheney has seen visions of Paul, just as Paul sees visions of, of her and understands what her role in the Messiah that Paul becomes and the jihad in which is unleashed on the galaxy in his name. So, you know, it, it's it's just one of one of those things that um is really, you know, kinda I don't know. So we'll see. I, I just found these box office numbers really interesting because I think looking, I think if, if Dune makes $45 million in its three day opening, it is a bomb. If it makes 130 million in its domestic total, it is a bomb. Mm-hmm. If, if it and does, the thing oh, is, sorry, I, I was going to say, I don't see it doing more than those numbers either. So I, I just don't think this is going to do well at the box office. I mean, I'm hope I'm wrong. Just be it. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way: if this is a strong and this is a good film, I really hope I'm wrong because mm-hmm. I, if if it if it is good, I absolutely want to see a second one. I absolutely want them to finish this story. Even if it's not good, I want to see a second one. But, I kind of do. Know, I still. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's go on to reboots because we gotta we gotta get through this kind of quick because Rampage is starting soon. Um, <laughs> Dude, it's Daniel Bryan versus Manuel Suzuki. I mean, come on. Okay, so we came across this article on Bounding um, about Chris Gore, uh, who is the founder of Film Threat, who was the star of Attack of the Show. Uh, cable TV darling Kevin Pereira can suck it. Um, but th- like, this was really interesting because he says he would erase franchise reboots uh, he would redo the Star Star Wars and redo the Star Wars sequel trilogy if he ran a studio. Um, he declared J.J. Abrams' films an unfitting finish to the nine-film arc. He asserted that it's a safe bet that starting over with the Star Wars sequel trilogy would be a right move. I don't disagree. Um, you know, he he talks about like anything after nineteen or whatever nineteen ninety four with the like the Ghostbusters and. Uh, 92 with the Ghostbusters and Terminator, get rid of all of those. He really hates what's happening with the Star Trek franchise. Um, 
he he believes that they've lost touch with Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, which we've actually talked about that several times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think one of the, one of the I think the best quote he has is is oh, come on you stupid ad. Um, it says here failure is how we learn. You know, hey, Bounty in the Comics, get rid of all of the ads in between every sentence um, so I can actually read shit. Uh, where'd it go? No, I lost it. Oh, um, f- failure is how we learn. Oh, wait, nope, this isn't the right quote. Oh, yeah, it is. Here we go. Failure is how we learn, and I feel like it's not imbued in the lessons that we are doing. Let me rephrase this. Failure is how we learn. And I feel like by not imbuing that lesson, we are doing a disservice to young moviegoers who might look up to these heroes. It's kind of disappointing to see how franchises are being twisted. Uh, And an ad just popped up again. Anyway, so, I mean, they are. They're twisting these franchises. It's like what we just talked about with heels. There's no actual hero. There's a bunch of Mm anti-heroes and a bunch of villains. And and that's all we get now. And you know who I blame for this? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, his popularity as yeah, the, the popularity as the the Texas rattlesnake, the 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 beer drinking son of a gun. Uh like I, I think ruined the idea of heroes for a lot of people. And it's not just it's yeah, and, and that's part of I'm trying to think of who this was. I don't know if it was Chuck Dixon when he was on uh, for Cannon's sake mm-hmm. or someone else, but they were ta- they mentioned how the idea is deconstructing a character is taking this character and and again when I'm talking about this, I'm kind of I'm focused more on comics, but it, you can go through with the whole reimagining as well, or the reboots and stuff like that, where they take this character and they break him or her down and not in the way of them facing adversity. It's almost as if they want to not outlaw, but they want to disgrace the hero. They don't want people to root for that person or that individual that stands for truth, justice, the American way, whatever you want to call it or whatever, you know, tagline that hero has. And it's it's more about the agenda because, again, one of the things he says, um, and this is what we talk about. We always talk about the story. We always talk about the characters. Those are the two things, not an agenda. And it says, as an executive Gore added, he doesn't think he w- he'd want to tell his audience how to think, but would instead listen to what they want. Right. He further claimed he would give them something they don't expect, hoping that they like it, but without, and this was like a direct quote from him, pounding them over the head with some sort of agenda. Mm-hmm. Again, this guy knows what it means to tell a story. Well, so do you know about Film film Threat? Do you know what Film Threat is? No. So Film Threat, it, it's a website now, but it was a it was a zine, like a fanzine type thing that just reviewed indie movies. Like he put out like mm-hmm. open calls like, hey, if you have an independent movie, send it to us. We'll review it. We'll publish it in the L.A. area and you'll get a ton of, of press. Like he was a big supporter of Kevin Smith at the beginning. Like Kevin, Kevin, like like Film Threat was where Kevin went to give scoops. 
And uh, so, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. He's made a bunch of documentaries. He's actually making a great one about it. Well, he's making one. I don't know if it's great. Uh, about Attack of the Show, which I'm really excited to watch. But you're... You know, he's right, though. Like, there's so everything is so much agenda driven now. And, um, like, you have these weird ass reboots that just don't care about the, the story, like, at all, or these sequels that don't care. Um, like, we've got the what is it, Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out, which mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they should have just called it Ghostbusters 3. Um, but they have Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out, and people are mad because they, they, they're they saying, oh, it erases the 2016 Ghostbusters because, you know, I guess Paul Rudd, and this was in the trailer, has a line like, oh, I haven't, they haven't, the Ghostbusters haven't been seen in 30 years. And it's like, okay, great. In one line of dialogue, you made, you know, the movie that didn't even address the original Ghostbusters as, you know, not a part of canon. And, so I don't understand why people are so why I don't understand why the fans of that movie are so mad because they went out of their way to like not canonize what they were doing. But now they're like, well, now you're really not part of canon. So we gave you what you wanted. Um, but people, they're not going to yeah. like what I'm going to say. Yeah. But people like that, people that have that type of worldview on. And again, you could see with a lot of these movies where these fans get angry like that, you know, trying to defend their Ghostbusters 2016, which most people didn't like. They're a part of a cult and it's, yeah. they cannot, they, they have, they are physically and mentally incapable of, ta- of, of, of listening to criticism of their precious movie and taking that in. Everything is, it's a, it's a direct attack on attack on them. And they look at anyone who does that as hate filled. They well, are a cult. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about virtue signals a few times in this episode now, and we talk about virtue signals from time to time. But that's, I think, liking Ghostbusters 2016 is the ultimate virtue signal because I don't think many of the people who defend that movie have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's another it, thing. It, it's just like the people complaining about the closer. Go watch it. Before you complain about it, go watch it. Before you call it anti or pro or anything like that, go watch it. You're talking about the TV show closer? No, the Dave Chappelle, the closer. Oh, um, <laughs> it, 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 okay. It's, it's like it's Kira a Sedgwick? really yeah. I mean, well, you definitely need to watch the closer with Kira Sedgwick because I mean, come on. But no, it's uh, like there there's a lot of things being said about the closer with Dave Chappelle's last comedy sketch with Netflix, and the people who are are most aggrieved aggrieved by it uh, have not watched it. Because if they had watched mm-hmm. it, they would not be saying what they're saying. Be- yeah, because he has a great line. He says, if you understand, and he almost says it like I'm saying it, you understand what I'm talking about, then you would not, you would not think that about him being transphobic or whatever. Yeah. And it, it goes back to the point we've mentioned before. You cannot, and I'm paraphrasing, I always mess this one up, but... You can't, you know, change someone's opinion by using ration, rationality when they have arrived at their opinion through emotion. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's And I mean, too many people, and again, 
there are way too many people. I mean, just in general, not just people that we're talking about specifically here, but just overall, there are way too many people and it can range from anything. It can range from something as small as sports and teams, you know, mm-hmm. that's the, you know, fans, fan is short for fanatic. So people are like that with their teams, but then people are like that with their movies, their characters, or their, you know, their favorite actors and actresses. You can't, you can't, you know, I love this guy. I love this, this woman. You can't talk about him or her, or it it just goes with, and and it's a part of the human condition, but I think it seems to, and again, I don't know if it's because we see it more now because of social media, because, you know, TV, 24 seven TV, it seems to have gotten much worse and much more toxic uh, in all realms. I mean, you know, I read stories about stuff going on in sports that have nothing to do with movies or, you know, entertainment and stuff or politics. It it can go, it goes everywhere. And it's just, that's where people have to be better. People have to stop taking everything to heart. I mean, I mean, people, there's, there's a reason why it's, that's called being an adult, right? Being an adult, you should be able to come to a conversation and listen to what the other person's saying, even if they have a different opinion of your than yours, and be able to converse with that person. Well, I love hearing, but too many people. Yeah, I love hearing do other that. people's opinions. Right, I love hearing what other people think about things because that's how I get to learn. Right, I get to yeah. learn from someone else's learned experience um, that I may not have. But at the same time, like so many of these people now, it's like all everything is all or nothing, and these re- reboots are the same thing. Yes, like especially the sequel trilogy, right? I really like The Force Awakens. I don't care. I think it's 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 Jar Jar Abrams' best movie um, that that he's ever done, and I enjoy it thoroughly. I I think had the following two films follow the the themes that were set in that movie and and come to some sort of a a preplanned con- conclusion, uh, I would have been very happy, but you have all these people who protected the last Jedi for whatever reason. I don't understand. Um, Cause it is, it is legitimately a bad film. It, oh, it, it is, is. It is very poor storytelling. Um, it, it, it has a couple scenes that are really beautifully shot and that's not on ruin Johnson. That's on whoever his director of photography was. Um, but at the at the end of the day, because you don't like it, they're like, well, you're, you know, an ist or a phobe or a fandom menace or, or whatever, whatever they want to do to separate people. And like, here's what I think. If you like that movie, awesome. I don't know what movie you watched, but awesome. I'm happy you liked it. <laughs> um, I don't like that movie. So you probably think. Well, that sucks. I don't know what movie you watched, but that's that's great that you didn't like it. And let's talk about why. And and that doesn't that doesn't get to happen. You just get name calling and and everything. So from 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 this, Chris, what Chris is saying is like, I, I think if we stopped with all of this stuff, and you 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 aren't ruining fan, like something that has an established fan base. You know, you'll be all right. Like I, like I feel like the reason Rogue One was so successful as a story, uh, is that it, uh, it, 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 while it was tied to a larger event, it really was its own thing. Kind of like uh, I, I keep saying that Why the Last Man on 
FX is the compendium to the comic book, right? It's a compendium to episode one. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, this is like, if you're, if you're interested in how this happened, you can go check this out. And I feel like Disney Star Wars should have just done that. Just done things like that for a while. Um, and really taken their time with the sequel trilogy. Um, now, again, Disney is the greediest company on the planet, so they're not yes. going to do that. And I actually, I, I feel like as far as like evil companies go, uh, Twitter is obviously number one, but mm-hmm. I, I think Disney and Facebook are really fighting for that second spot. Um, yeah, followed very closely by uh, the United States government. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's just one of it's it's one of these things where um, he he goes on to mention a couple of movies he'd like to see made. Um, one is the Confederacy. Confederacy of Dunces, which I haven't read that book since high school. Um, I don't know if that's a, a you know, it's uh, the John Kennedy Tools 1980 novel. Um, I don't think I ever read that and said, oh, that should be a movie. But the one he, the other one he says is 1999's uh, Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk. Uh, and I always say his name wrong. And if you liked Fight Club, you should definitely read Survivor. It, it's nothing to do with Fight Club. It's not a sequel. It's not even like the same kind of book. It's about a cult that hijacks a plane, and the plane has to fly around and around and around. And it's it's very cinematic the way it's written. And he's absolutely right. Someone needs to come in and just throw like a big budget at this, and you know it'll be all good. But um, I want to see more of that. Like go go and find the second or third book that like an author wrote and and do that. Um like what's his name? The guy that did the Martian. Um Andy Kerr. Oh Andy right? Weir. Andy Weir, thank you. Andy Weir. Um yeah. like Artemis, I think would actually be could be a better movie than the Martian because it's uh it's got a little more like excitement to it, but it's still like all about living on the moon. Which is kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and you know, you t- he talks in here about like what Jar Jar did to uh, the Star Trek franchise and made it this big sweeping action sci-fi shoot 'em up thing, and you know that wasn't ever Gene Roddenberry's vision. He Star Warsized no. Star Trek. Jar Jar did, and then he yeah. shat all over Star Wars. With the lens flare, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought we would definitely be blinded on Jakku, um, but but I mean, Jay, Jar Jar shat all over Star Wars with the last or with the rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, I, I'm ready for this whole reimagining craze that that Ronald D. Moore really kicked off in earnest with Battlestar Galactica. To go away. Yeah. And again, that doesn't mean that there haven't been some really good ones over the years. But to your point, I would like to see a little bit more creativity, so to speak, in the sense of getting <laughs> some of these a little you know, books that what was that for? Well, I mean, Hollywood is creatively bankrupt. I mean, we just yeah. talked about oh like, yeah. We talked about someone who is actually we thought was super creative, but is legitimately creatively bankrupt in Tom Taylor. Yeah. And I, I would like like to see what you just said, 
in the sense of getting some of these, you know, authors, some of these stories and taking, <laughs> you'll laugh at this, taking chances instead of rehash, you know, you know, put it, it back in the pot, you know, stir it up, rehash it, you know, reheat it, you know, throw it in a microwave, throw it in an air fryer, whatever they yeah. do with some of these. Right. And they, and they always try to mm, air fryer food is frame good. it. Yes, it is very. I'm about to you know throw my wings in the air fryer in nice. a minute after we're done here. <laughs> they all wing stop. That's that place is good. Um, we don't have they, a wing they stop near us. Yeah, it, it's like right down the street. It's pretty damn good. Takes a while to get your wings, but it's good. Anyway, but they they try to frame things as you know they're being again going back to the Dean Kane thing, stunning and brave. Yeah, when they are they lack that type of integrity. They lack that type of conviction. They are again, riding the wave. And I like what Chris Gore said. I mean, I love listening to Chris Gore because he gets it. He absolutely gets it. The storytelling aspect of, you know, yeah. Listening to the fans. Ryan Canellis is a pretty, uh, Ryan Canell is a pretty uh, polarizing figure on YouTube right now, but he has an amazing two hour, um, interview with chris gore that if you go check out rk outpost like chris gore is 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 fantastic in this interview and and actually like like helped lead ryan through the interview really well where ryan started asking really really good questions um i i think people are so caught up on the on the virtue that they must signal now and and representation that they must have that they forget like yeah, well, yes, representation matters absolutely 100%. But the unfortunate nature is a lot of the people that you are are trying to represent, you are over-representing to a point that mainstream audiences now don't have anything new. So they're just revisiting old things, you know? Um, and, and, this is, and this is another important thing. When you're representing an, an individual, whether it be a woman, someone gay, wh- whatever, you don't make that character strong by tearing down the characters around them. Right. You make that character strong through good writing. And that's too all too often we see that where, okay, you know, to make this, you know, this woman strong, this guy is a bumbling idiot. When instead, you know, make the woman strong because she's a damn strong woman. Yeah. And and that's what people don't get. And, and that's what a lot of these people. Lolo. Yes, this is that's a perfect example of the guy is a literal god on earth, and yet Lois is still an extremely strong character. Right. Extremely strong. Every bit as strong as him from a mental and emotional standpoint, and some and in in some regards stronger. They're equals, and it does, and not because yes, of and strength. It, yes, and they don't, and they never, and the the writers do a bang up job of, you know, highlighting one because they're highlighting that person, not tearing the other person down. Well, and uh, yeah, that is all we need. That's well, all we. That's all we're asking for. Well, I mean, it was it was a it was a it was a fantastic example of a couple of a, of a team, right? Yes. Of parents mm-hmm. raising children, and. I guarantee there was probably some writer in that writer's room is like, well, let's do a love triangle with John Henry Irons. 
and hopefully that person got fired uh if if yeah. they if they brought that up because it's like no that's not what makes soups and lolo compelling what makes it compelling mm-hmm. is that like you said you have a god on earth and you have a mere mortal of a woman who is more capable than anyone could possibly be and while like you know a lot of people look at like margot kidder as being like the prototypical Lois Lane, right? She was a damsel in a dress more than she was like an equal to Superman. Whereas if you jump to Smallville and you look at Eric Durant's, um, you know, Lois Lane, she's a little older than Clark. You know, she, Mm -hmm. she, she kind of helped him develop and their love story just kind of naturally played out. And we got to see that in the, in the crisis you know, with 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 the two of them, it was it was really nice to get that little like exclamation point for the end of, of Smallville, and then to see it in Superman and Lois, which again is you know, you know, I mean, you go all the way back, like we'll, we'll circle back to Dean Cain real quick. You go all the way mm-hmm. back to Lois and Clark, Lois and Clark, the further adventures of Superman or new adventures of Superman or whatever the the tag moniker was. And I mean, Terry Hatcher was the star of that show and she was freaking awesome. And I don't know if you heard that part uh, in the interview. Dean Cain actually says that he was like, it was called Lois and Clark for a reason. I did not. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't hear him say that. Yeah. And, and I mean, he, 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 he said that point blank in that interview where he said that where, you know, talking about strong characters and stuff like that. He said that. And I mean, again, you can make it, it's not an either or right you can make this character on the left strong you can make this character on the right strong you don't it doesn't have to be like you know a scale where if you put if you want one to be strong you have to lower the other one down that when people do that you know going back to the creatively bankrupt you're a hack yeah if you if, if you're doing it like that like we, we you really are. enjoyed warrior none right and, and warrior mm-hmm. none did not tear a single character down they built everybody no. up and they had that uh the one trans character who you know was just a character she wasn't a trans character she just was there and it just turned out she happened to be trans and it was really funny i forget the warrior nun's name now cuz it's been a while um but like when she found that out she was like oh okay you know <laughs> like it, it was it was just like great you're awesome like you you were helping me you're 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 powerful and that was cool, and, and it didn't take anything away from the dumb street urchin who had been paralyzed for, you know, 11 years now with superpowers and knew nothing of the real world. And instead of freaking out, she was like, all right, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you. We're friends. I think I'm going to watch that pretty soon again. It's been a while. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that that's just that's my thought on it. Yeah. But. I mean, yeah. More and, things and like that. More talk. things like Warrior Nun. Like mine yes. Kickstarter, mind Indiegogo for these comics. Um, you know, Arc Athena. Like, check that comic so, out. Like it hasn't come out yet, yeah. but like the, the, the previews look great. Um or like, or like the old guard. I really like that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, the old guard was great. Again, four just badass characters who work together as a group. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yeah. please, more of that. So I, I'm like like I'm tired of the reboots and the reimaginings. I'm tired of taking the things like why the last man and shitting all over what the actual story is. Like 
My biggest fear is that they turn Saga into a show. No, I, I, I mean, luckily there's a lot of like weird alien, like nudity and sex in there that it's not, mm-hmm. it, it's not like transferable to something like FX or NBC, mm-hmm. but like, you know, Amazon or yeah, but Netflix. if Amazon were to get their whole a hold of it or Netflix were to get a hold of it, it would be sanitized to the point where it's unrecognizable. And you've seen what they're like Amazon is doing with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They're 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 making it inclusive and diverse, and it's like, um, you know, like Tolkien had like dark skinned hobbits, and they lived apart from the rest of them because they were like distrusting and things like that, and they preferred the hills to the Shire. But uh, they're like the what was it the quote that that they're going to make it where the hobbits are more worldly, and it's like that's exactly wrong for what a hobbit is. Hobbits you don't understand are, the Hobbit. Hobbits are like Wakandans. They're 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 yeah. an ethno state of isolationists. Um, yeah. They just don't have the technology. Well, actually, they, I mean, for the time, they have like some pretty decent technology for farming and and smoking pot. So you know, um, <laughs> pipe weed, pipe weed. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I, I, I there it's just there there's too much too much of that, and I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to the time where we start getting originals again. And when originals I come out, go too. support them just because it's not the 24th movie in a, in a shared universe. Um, yeah. You should definitely go see it. And just because it's the 26th movie in a shared universe, you don't have to go see it because it looks like garbage. Well, I'm a completionist. Hey, I too am a completionist, and I have I have broken that cycle with Sean Chi. But it does. Oh, I by would the have way, broken. Out. I would have broken the cycle with Black Widow, but somebody had to review it because it's his favorite character. <laughs> One of my favorite characters. So, so, but yeah. Did you did you just quickly, one of these days? Did you just quickly jump into your latex? black uh widow super simp costume what do you mean quickly jump in i wear that every <laughs> night of it how dare you <laughs> anyway all right uh I, th- on that note <laughs> <laughs> we have devolved into madness but no thank you guys for listening let us know what you think uh we are definitely reviewing dune next week um yeah uh. I, I don't know if it'll be the regular episode or if it's going to be a special, like we're just going to like go see it and come back and pump it out because it's a long ass movie. Um, I think mm-hmm. I'm trying, probably going to go see it Thursday night. Uh, so yeah, sounds good. It's going to be on. It's on Max, so you don't even have to go to the movies mm-hmm. to watch it. But I'm definitely going to go watch it in the theater because I want to support it. Um, it being my favorite book, so. <laughs> Really? I mean, it's not like you read that every year. No. You know, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I could knock it out between now and Thursday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You probably could. I, I mean, just reading it. Like, I could probably, I actually could probably get through that and Messiah between before Thursday. Yeah. I can't stop once I start reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. I read Dune. Okay. I read Messiah. Okay. Now I got to read Children. All right, I guess Sarah could, and so you know, so on and so forth. And then I've read five novels in like two weeks. Anywho, all right, 
Thank you guys for listening. Make sure to check us out. Uh, just go to theinfamouspodcast.com. You can find everything you need there. Check us out at Fretboard on 11-8, Monday, November 8th at 7 p.m. It'll be awesome and bring a toy. All right. Any last words? Nope. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. See you. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamouspodcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So, whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.